being advised by all of our leaders. Even though our doors are closed, we're gonna continue worshiping over the internet together. We'll continue prayer meetings and times of prayer. Uh, we'll continue doing that together as well. We're gonna to continue to make sure that we stay plugged into our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So we want you all to hang in there. And let me thank you for your faithfulness. For even though we've had to stay home and do many creative ways of doing work, um, you're still giving your tithe and offering to make sure that we can continue to do ministry we really appreciate it. And to our members that lost their jobs, we're gonna do our best to stay close to you. So please let your local churches know what you have need of. And if there's anything that we could possibly do, we're gonna do our best to do so. Thank you for our pantries that are remaining open so that people can have food to eat at this difficult time. One of our pastors shared with us that after his church gave out food, a member from the community said, if it were not for you all, we would have no food to eat. Keep up the great work. In harmony with our states, our schools will remain closed for the remainder of the year. I'm so grateful and thankful to our teachers and our principals for uh, mobilizing, coming together, and getting our online school working, and it is working great. I can tell that many hours went into preparing to teach the kids over the internet. I want to tell you about the exciting event that we have planned. It is our Easter celebration. We're going to come together across this conference and we're going to have an Easter worship Sabbath all together at one time, April the 11th, 2020. That's right, mark it on your calendars. There will be participants for our worship celebration that will come from all over the conference. That's right. We'll have Sabbath school, and individuals in different parts of the conference will teach the lesson. We'll have special musics, and people from different parts of the conference will sing. We're even involving our young people who will give us a welcome. And so we're looking forward to that great time that we will have together. Yours truly will present the word on that day, so gear up and pass the word along. We'll have the numbers for you to be able to call in. We'll have the ability to stream it so that you'll be able to see it online. We're planning to have a great Easter celebration together. It is called Who Will Roll Away the Stone? You can't miss it. Hang in there. Stay faithful. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And I just happen to believe everything that God says. Call someone up. Continue to practice social distancing. Wash your hands, sing the ABC song. Wipe down your counters and your doorknobs and your handles on your cars. Wipe down the gas pump before you pick it up to put gas in your cars. Make sure that you stay safe. Stay isolated as far as possible so that the spread of this dreaded disease can be stopped. God bless you and see you again real soon. We're off mute.
Happy Sabbath, saints. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. In spite of what's going on, in spite of the news, in spite of the coronavirus, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praises shall continually be in my mouth because God inhabits the praises of his children. Like David said, I will bless the Lord in the tabernacle. I'm going to praise him in the ferment of his power, praise him for his mighty acts, praise him according to his excellent greatness, praise him with the sultry and harp, praise him with the timbrel and dance, praise him with stringed instruments and organs, Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that had breath praise the Lord. So we want to welcome you to the Tabernacle of Praise this morning. We trust that you will have a blessed Sabbath as you worship with us in spirit and in truth. We have a very treat, nice treat for you this morning. We have a person that loves to praise the Lord. If you look on uh, Facebook, on Wednesday afternoon. He's muted. Paul is muted. Yes in praise and worship this morning. So with any further ado, welcome pastor. Good morning and happy Sabbath, everyone. Uh, praise the Lord, everybody. As you guys know, that's what I always say because I believe that God is always worthy of our praise. I'm praying that you can hear me. I can't hear you. I can't get no feedback in this social distancing uh, computer era. I, I like to be with my people, but but I, I'm, if, if those who are on the line can give me a thumbs up uh, that they can hear me and they can, all right, that, that means that everybody, that, that means that the word is going out. Amen, amen. So we're gonna uh, sing a couple songs. Hopefully you're here to the keyboard as well. All right, we're gonna sing this song. Everybody's familiar with this song. It's called What a Fellowship, What a Joy Divine, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. If you got a hymn book, I believe it's 469 in your in your hymnals and so i'm just gonna do a little intro before we get started and then, and then we're gonna get ourselves ready to worship the lord here we go Thank you. 
say one more time. Say fans cure from all God is still worthy to be praised, and we can still lean on the everlasting arms of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, I'm going to go into another song real quick. Uh, this song is an old chorus we used to sing all the time, especially in AY. It's called The Blood. And the reason I've chosen the, the, the blood that Jesus shed for me is because after uh, our time together, we're going to transition into a communion service. Uh, Pastor DeBlair Stell, my friend from from Huntsville, Alabama, the first SDA church. They have invited us to participate in a virtual communion service. So after we get done with our worship service, we're gonna transition to that. Even in a time of quarantine, uh, we can still celebrate the blood of Jesus. Come on, say amen. It's because of the blood of Jesus that we can be covered uh, with COVID-19 or whatever else. You know, people talk about who's doing it and, and who's causing it and who's allowing it. Uh, if you cover by the blood, doesn't matter, doesn't matter why it's coming, uh, because we are saved by the blood of Jesus. And so, so we're gonna sing this song together. It's called the blood. Yeah. 
That's it, Pastor. We want to praise the Lord this morning. All right, Pastor, we're trying to figure this thing out. Oh, we just had a power outage. Ah. Please, Lord, yeah. This thing out. My my camera went completely off, but I'm a trust that we're still on the air. So we just praise Pastor Christian Josiah for leading us in that praise and worship. Amen. You know, we live in some serious times. And people's hearts are fearing them for the fear of the things that's coming upon this earth. And so we need prayer today, saints. The, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7, 14, that if my people were called by my name, would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and heal their land. I've asked Elder Wellington to come on up and lead us in prayer today. Praise the Lord. Just want to take a little moment just to give honor and praise to our Father, our God, and our Savior. He's watched over and kept us. And so as we enter into this phase of prayer, we just want to ask everyone to be in spiritual uh, phase with God. Father God, Lord, we just want to take a moment right now just to thank you, Lord, for everything that you've done. Lord, you've kept us in the midst of this, this serious virus, but you saw fit, Lord, that you kept us healthy. And we're asking, Father, that as we continue to go through this period, this transition, Lord, that you will continue to send your governing angels to hover around and keep your children. Lord, we're asking, Lord, for the blessing of those who are seeking, Lord, to try and find uh, some kind of solution to this this situation. 
We're asking, Lord, that you would give them the wisdom, the intellect, Lord, give them the understanding of knowing what is transpiring and how it's taking place. We ask them, Father God, that people will obey the orders that have been set forth to, to slow down the spread of such virus, Lord. We're asking, Father God, that you would be with all the leaders across the globe, Father. Asking, Father, that you be with all of our pastors, Lord. Asking that you be with all the members, Lord. More importantly than anything, Lord, not just touching us on a physical standpoint, but drawing us yet nearer to thee. And so, Lord, we just ask, Father, that you will forgive us, Lord. Forgive us of all of our sins, all of our shortcomings. And, Lord, as we continue throughout this Sabbath, Lord, bless us that we will receive blessings from on high. Touch each and every one, Lord, that's online, that's on Facebook, that's on uh, YouTube, whichever device they're using. Let them, Lord, find solace in knowing that they're spending their time with thee. And so that, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 This time we're going to ask Sister Lakita Carroll to come with our stewardship thought and our offering. Good morning, everybody. I hope it's a great Sabbath day for everyone. I want to remind all of us, first of all, that heaven is still heaven. The Father is still our Father. Jesus is still Jesus. The angels are still protecting us. Nothing, nothing has changed in heaven. And God expects for nothing to change in us. We're still to be good stewards. So what does he expect from us? He wants us to be faithful to us as stewards. So I'm going to give us some instructions. Um, just a little tip of what we can do during this uh, time out, time in, quarantine, whatever you want to call it. What to do with your time. As Paul says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from your wicked ways, then will he hear us from heaven and he will forgive our sins and will heal our lands. So what we can do is humble ourselves. We can pray to God. We can seek his face diligently, turn from our wicked ways and, and do lots of self-reflection to find the wickedness that is hiding in us. So what are we to do with our talents? We can remember that we are the head, we're not the tail. In other words, we are to minister to others, not wait around and let others minister, minister to us. We're above only, not beneath. As the spiritual leaders that we are, we can reach out to others, offer prayer, online Bible studies, encourage our loved ones, speak hope, speak hope, speak hope, and just be present for those who have lost loved ones. That's going to be the second part of our ministry is that we're going to have to be present for those who have loved ones that are lost. Do what we usually do. And what should I do with my body? Follow the steps the pastor gave us. He gave us eight steps called New Start, Nutrition, Exercise, Water, Sunshine, Temperance, Air, Rest, Trusting God. Trusting God is your mental health, people. This is a long term, a long, um, it's not a sprint. This is a marathon. We're going to be running for a long time in this thing. So they're trying to say it's going to be over at this time. It's going to be over that time. It's going to be over when Jesus determines and God determines it's over. So for us, let's fortify ourselves with scriptures. Be prepared for a long-term battle. Get some sunshine. Go outside. It helps to regulate your mood. Get your rest so that you can be able to fight a good battle every day. And then there's one thing I wanted to say. I'm going to say this up front. We need to be continue to be faithful not only in our time, talent, and temper, but also in our treasures. You can uh, return your tithe on the cash app at dollar sign top giving at the website, top, 
sdhchurch.org or click the don and click the donate button. But let me say this. This is a test everybody. It is only a test. What are you going to do? What are we going to do? Fear will tell us to use common sense. Hold back on God. Hold on and save on to you. He's already been in my house saying that to me, y'all. Already been here. We don't serve fear. We serve God. Fear would have told um, Daniel, don't, Daniel, don't go in that lion's den. You can pray in a different window. You don't have to do all that. That's fear. But, but Daniel said, I serve God. I don't serve fear. The three Hebrew boys said, I, I'm getting burnt up. I can stand up. That's easy. I can ask God for forgiveness. But they don't serve fear. We don't serve fear. We serve God. So it may make sense to you to hold on to your money. The future seems so uncertain. It seems uncertain to me. Uh, your future is in God's hand. It was in God's hand last June, last July, in December, in October. It, it's in God's hands. We don't have the future. God owns our future. So your future is in God's hand now, like it was before COVID-19. So listen, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Remember to return your tasks. Remember to be faithful in your talents, in your time. Be faithful, people. This is only a test. How are we going to emerge out of this thing? Are we going to be better? Are we going to be more? Or are we going to be less? Jesus is expecting us to show up and show up. You know, when we say God is good all the time, all the time, this is that all the time part. This is that other part. This is the part where you say, I'm not going to go to church. I'm going to lay in this bed. This is the part where you get up, put your neck, one foot in front of the other, and just walk. Just do what you know to do. You don't have to feel nothing. Just do it. Jesus loves you. He's taking good care of us. It is just the grace of God and his faithfulness to us. Let us be graceful to others and faithful to God. Everybody, have a great Sabbath. Amen. Thank you, Sister Carol, for those beautiful words of encouragement. Spirit of Prophecy says we have nothing to fear in the future except we forget how God has blessed us and led us in the past. So let's hold on and be faithful, folks. Hold on, folks. Hold on. Amen. Amen. At this time, we're gearing on up and we are getting ready to hear the word by our vice president, Christian Josiah, amen. And we are going to just pray that the word will sink deep in our hearts. And I love this man. He is truly a man of God. And so before you hear Pastor Christian Josiah, the next voice you will hear after our songbird, Sister Beverly Stewart Anderson is going to take us on up to the throne as she sings a beautiful song for us. Come on, Sister, Sister Anderson. Time measured out my days. Life carried me alone in my soul. I dared to follow God, but knew I never would. 
be strong. I looked hard at this world to learn how heaven could be Just to end where I began, where human effort is all in vain. Were it not for grace, ooh, I can tell you where I would be. Wandering down some pointless road to nowhere with my salvation up to me. I know how that would go. Ooh, the battles I would face. Forever running, but losing the race. Were it not for grace? So here is all my praise expressed with all my heart. to the friend who took my place, but ran a court I could not start. And when he saw in full just how much his love would cost, he still went a final mile. Between me and heaven, so I will not be lost. Were it not for grace, I can tell you where I would be. Wandering down some pointless road to nowhere with my salvation up to me, and I know how that would go. saints of God say amen in your house, wherever you are. Oh man, thank you, Sister Beverly, my friend, for bringing us 
I'm closer to the throne of grace. Were it not for grace, uh, none of us would be on this line. Come on, say amen. Were it not for grace, you know, we won't be uh, who uh, God has called us to be. Were it not for his grace. Thank you so much for that reminder uh, in song, which uh, allows me to even give us another reminder that after we get done with this, uh, my good friend, Pastor DeBlair Snell, is having a virtual communion. Uh, I don't know who's ready for it, but I know my wife spent some time making some bread. Uh, and we got some 100% grape juice. So when I get done, I'm going to celebrate, Sister Beverly, that grace that you just sang about. Uh, we ought to praise God every day. Ellen White says every day we should be taken to the scenes of Calvary and praise him for that grace. Well, I'm uh, excited to be with my Tabernacle of Praise Church family. I want to thank Elder Paul Harris and the leadership at Top for allowing me to spend time with you. Y'all know y'all my family, man. Uh, before it was Top, it was Kirk and Nisa, and I was there. Come on, say amen. Uh, and so you guys know we are family, uh, and I'm excited to be here with you. Uh, I'm just going to bring a, a brief word. They say I shouldn't be long. Uh, and it's 1130 and, and I only got two pages. So that means that I should be able to get done in time. But look, where y'all going? It's, it's Sabbath. Come on, say man. And you can't go nowhere anyhow. It's quarantine. Uh, but we're going to go to the word. We're going to go to the book of Philippians chapter three. Philippians chapter three. Uh, and we're going to read uh, three verses. Philippians chapter three, verses 12 through 14. While you're finding that. In your Bibles, Philippians 3, 12 through 14. I just want to do another reminder, just in case some of y'all came to church late today. Elder Bernard made it in the announcement time, but I know some of y'all got here late. But next Sabbath, next Sabbath, April the 11th, we're going to be having our Central States Conference Easter celebration. That means all of our churches in our entire conference, we're going to be worshiping together uh, we're going to be working out the platforms. I think we're going to go live on all of our platforms. We're going to be in Zoom. We're going to try to go Facebook, YouTube, uh, and Elder Bernard, our, our very own conference president, is going to bring the word. We're going to have special music from different places in the conference. And, uh, we're going to try to do it. If You know, if, you got to try. I don't know exactly how technology works, but Jonathan uh, Green, our IT guy, he's going to lead us. Uh, and, and put those platforms together. So April 11th, next Sabbath at 11 o'clock. At 11 o'clock, uh, we're going to have our worship service, Easter celebration together. Then at 4 o'clock, we've got something for the youth. we got a youth program. AY is back uh, at 4 o'clock, virtual AY, uh, for all of our young people. And so y'all, we, we're going to help you get that word out as well. Again, our scripture today comes from Philippians chapter 3. Verses 14, verses 12 through verses 14. And I'll read it from the new, this is the New King James Version. Here's how it reads. Paul says to the Philippian church, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Verse 13, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Paul says in verse 14, I press 
toward the goal. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. This morning, we're going to look at the subject for a few moments, pressed, pressed. Pray with me, Father God, this is your word, and we need for you, Lord, on this, your Sabbath, to give your word power and give it life. Hide me behind the uh, the shadow of your cross, Lord, so that your people who are looking and who are listening on this line will only hear your voice and not mine, and we will be careful, Lord, not just to be hearers of the word and readers of the word and listeners to your word, but Lord, give us the power to be doers of your word, and we will give you all the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. Let all God's children say amen and amen again. Press, press, and I don't have a lot of time to to deal with the verse 12 and 13, and so I'm going to cut right to the chase in verse 14. Paul says, that I must press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He closes his charge after we have forgotten the things which are behind us. And even though we're reaching forward to the things which are ahead of us, uh, we've got to have a made up mind to leave the past in the past and look forward in expectation of a bright future. Paul says, uh, Paul declares that the only thing that we can do, the only thing that I can do, the only thing that we must do as a Christian, as a member of the Tabernacle of Praise, Seventh-day Adventist body of believers, Paul says the one thing that we must do is that we've got to press If I was at a church service right now, I would say, turn to your neighbor or touch your neighbor uh, and say, press. You've got to press. That word is dioko, dioko in the Greek. It means to pursue. It means to ensue. It means to follow after and is derived from the verb dio, which means to flee. So, of course, you know that if I'm pressing on something, it means that I'm getting resistance. Come on, say amen. Pressing means that, that there's something that's pushing back against you. Well, 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 who could it be or what could that thing be that presses against? Why does Paul use the term that we've got to press our way to win the mark? Because all of us have resistance. Uh, we get resistance from that old serpent that, that, that John refers to him as, as the devil and the old serpent, and Satan. Uh, Every Christian gets resistance because we are pressing our way forward. We have to press because the enemy of our souls uh, is not happy. He's not content to let us just hang out and be chilling as Christians, just chilling in our crib, just chilling in our Christian walk. No, uh, Paul says you've got to press. You've got to press your way to win the mark of the prize of the high calling. Well, what does it mean to press? What does it look like to press? Pressing means that just because you were saved at 10, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. You've heard the testimonies. Well, I got saved when I was five, or I got saved when I was eight, or I got saved when I was 20. 
Uh, it doesn't matter what age you got saved that the race is not over. Pressing means that just because you came back to the Lord uh, and you were baptized into the into the Seventh-day Adventist church, that doesn't mean that the race is over. Just because you became a leader in the church. Now you got a title. Come on. Now, now you on you sitting on the board. I don't know why some people try to scream and holler to sit on the board. It'd be long as I'll get out. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Folks be killing themselves to be a board member. Those of us who got to lead board meeting, man, you be tired. Like you preach a whole sermon after one hour board meeting. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Uh, just because you got a title and you big time and you know you got the big dollars, that, that doesn't mean that the race is over. If you ever thought that the race was over, then Paul gives us this warning, then you might be tempted to stop pressing. Paul uses this word here that denotes at least two things that I want to share with you today, that this word pressing implies. Paul uses this term, I press, I believe, number one, because he knew that the race is hard. The race is hard. If the Christian race, the work of sanctification, becoming like Christ, we're pressing our way. Uh, notice the language. Paul says, I press to win the mark of the prize for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Pressing to become like Christ. Pressing to be like Christ. If that work of becoming like Christ, our character's being perfected, if that thing was easy, then he wouldn't have used the word press. That's why Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter three, John chapter three, uh, that's where you find for God so loved the world. Well, earlier in that chapter, Jesus tells Nicodemus, you've got to be born of water and the spirit. Don't miss this. The water symbolizes cleansing. Amen. The water symbolizes, hey, I came back to Jesus and I've been purified. Uh, baptism is a symbol of, of, of death and burial and resurrection with Christ. And that's all well and good. And, uh, and our sins are being washed away. Water being a symbol of cleansing. But, Paul, but John is told, uh, John tells us, Jesus tells Nicodemus, Nicodemus, my brother, you've got to be born of water and what everybody? And the spirit. See, the, 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 the spirit, uh, water is a symbolizer, it symbolizes cleansing. But if you're not spirit-filled, if you're not born of the spirit, then you can't walk in the newness of life that God is calling you to. So water is good, but water is only the first move. The only way that we as Christians will achieve our mark, achieve the goal, achieve uh, being like Christ and being conformed to Christ is if we recognize the need to press with the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, being baptized into Christ, that's a good move, but it's only the first move. But if you never make it to the second move, you won't have the power to finish the race. Well, why do you need that power? Because the race is hard. Come on, y'all don't talk about. Paul says, look, Paul says, the stuff that I want to do, man, that's the stuff that I don't do. And the stuff that I should be doing, that's the stuff I end up doing. So Paul gives, he recognizes that this thing, this race 
is a hard race. The Christian race is a grueling race. That's why Paul uses language like we've got to what? Fight the good fight of faith. He wouldn't call it a fight if it was a dance. Come on, y'all. If we could just waltz our way and dance our way into heaven, he wouldn't use terminology like fight the good fight of faith. And, 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 we've, and we wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood. He wouldn't use language like you in a, you in a fight and you in a wrestling match. And then he certainly wouldn't tell us in Ephesians chapter six that we've got to put on the whole armor of God. If this thing is easy, why are we putting on armor? Come on, y'all. Uh, this makes logical sense. Paul says, you got to put on the whole armor of God. Uh, you got to be shored up because this thing is a battle. Come on, somebody. Uh, and you're going to need the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You're going to need the helmet of salvation so you can protect your head. You know, if you get a kill shot, all the kill shots go to your head. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all watching enough movies. If you take somebody's head out, you know, it's all over. Uh, but Paul said that we can put on the helmet of salvation. We can have the breastplate of righteousness. We can have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Paul uses language uh, that, that denotes a struggle, that denotes warfare. Why? Because number one, the race is hard. Somebody ought to say amen out there. But even though the race is hard, he gives us the power, come on, to fight in this race. Ladies and gentlemen, Tabernacle of Praise family, even though the language denotes a struggle, in spite of the race being hard, the Bible declares that when the enemy tries to come in like a flood, that the Spirit of God, who's that? That's the Holy Ghost, will lift up a standard against him. And you can still do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Uh, Elder Roger Hernandez, Elder Roger Hernandez, my friend, who serves as the ministerial and evangelism director for the Southern Union. Uh, said this recently, I think a few years ago on Facebook. He says, he said this, he said, you can't be super sensitive and be in ministry. Y'all not hear me. And I, I'm going to put it this way. You can't be super sensitive and be a Christian. Come on. If you, if you, if you a super sensitive Christian, you ain't going to last but two days. You might not even make it past the day of your baptism. Come on, say amen. Uh, and then, and then he put this quote up. He put this quote up on Facebook. He said, he said, want people to like you? Sell ice cream. Ministry is tough. Come on. <laughs> come on. Come on, Elder Hernandez. What are you talking about? He said, want people to like you? Sell ice cream. Ministry is tough. And I declare uh, Christianity is tough. Being a Christian in an unchristian world where, where, where all of the, the bombardment of, 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 of media whether it be social media or television media or, or, or radio or internet or, um, or just going to work, your job, uh, people around you, people in your family. Come on. I know we don't want to talk about our family, but we got some people in our own family that we got to pray the blood of Jesus just to keep our minds stayed on him. Uh, and, so, and so, look, ain't nobody slipping and sliding into the kingdom. Ain't nobody waltzing into the kingdom. Ain't nobody grooving. You know, you know, you got the soul train groove line. Ain't nobody grooving into the kingdom. You got to press your way. Y'all, y'all hear me out there, top family. Uh, ain't nobody lollygagging their way into the kingdom, play rolling into the kingdom. 
We've got, Paul says, we've got to press toward the mark. We've got to press our way until the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. All right, hey, so number one, the race is hard, but we got the Holy Ghost that could help us to press our way into the kingdom. But number two, and my final point, number two, uh, Paul says that you got to press because the race is long. Not only is the race hard, but the race is long. British, British 10,000 meter runner, uh, Mo Farah, captured the gold medal in the Rio Olympics after falling down in the 11th minute of the race. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. Because if you fall down in an Olympic race, you ain't going to win. Come on, I don't care how good you are. If you fall, you got world-class athletes from around the world. If you fall down in an Olympic race, I, I'm not a better man. I don't gamble. Praise the Lord. But if I was, I bet you, I bet you my paycheck that if I would, now I don't gamble again. But if I was, if you fall down in an Olympic race, you ain't gonna win. Ain't no way. But Mo Farah captured the gold medal. Not only did he finish. But he won the race. Why? Because the race was long. Now, now I was a sprinter when I was coming up, and you know, you, you get all these back in the day stories. So when I was well, back in the day, you know, y'all know me. I'm I'm little and I'm light, but I was quick. You know, so if you give me the 50 meter dash, oh man, I'm out the blocks, man. I'm the first one out, and you ain't catch not in 50 meters. Now 100, I was pretty decent in the 100. You know, I I was winning some races in the 100. You know, that's those are short distances, but and we got down to the two and the and the four. Lord help me, the eight. You know, the mile. No, 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 son. I ain't, I ain't running. I ain't running them long. There's some long race. You know, I'm a sprinter. But in, in in a short race, you fall down. That's it. But in a long race, <laughs> because the race is long, even if you fall, hello somebody, you can get back up again and you can keep on running. Look, 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 not only must we press because the race is hard, but we got to press because the race is long. Thank you, Jesus. There are some of you right now that have thought about quitting this thing. But life got overwhelming and uh, and you just got too tired and you just got weary and you felt beaten down and you felt like your all your your your, your energy was drained and uh, and maybe like Mo Farah, you fell down. Maybe you did fall down, but I'm so glad the songwriter says we fall down and we get up because a saint is just a sinner who does what? Who falls down? But here, here's the thing. But you gotta, you've got an opportunity to get back up again because the race is not a sprint. It's more like a marathon. Come on, somebody. And because the race is a long race, that songwriter reminds us that we can't feel no ways tired. I've come too far from where I started from. Nobody told you. Come on, y'all. No, and if they did, they were lying. Nobody told you that the road will be easy, but I don't believe he's brought us this far. Us now, Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 24 
at verse 13. But he that shall endure until what, everybody? Until the end. Come on, somebody. Even Jesus agreed with Paul and said, look, this ain't no sprint. If it was a sprint, Jesus wouldn't have used the terminology such as endure. Come on. Y'all think about it. He says in Matthew 24, no, Matthew 24, he gives us all these signs. You know, if you start at verse 1 all the way to verse 12, he talks about the earthquakes. He talks about the famines. He talks about the sun uh, being turned dark and the moon to blood and the stars falling from it. All that's in Matthew 24. Gives the disciples all these signs uh, of his coming. He talks about pestilences. What is COVID-19? It's a pestilence. It's a disease right now where there's no cure. It's like a plague. He gives us all these signs and he tells us, uh, not only does he tell us, he really gives us a promise. He says, if you are like Mo Farah and you get back up because the race is long, he says, he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. Thank you, God, for that promise. What that tells us is if we just hold on, and as the, as the senior saints would say, hang on in there just a little while. You know, I used to laugh. Let me say, can I be honest? I'm going to be honest with y'all. Well, I'm going to be honest. I got the mic. I'm going to be honest, top family. Look, when I was young, I used to be like, what are these, what are these senior saints talking about? Hang on in there. Child, you just, you just got to hang on in there just a little bit longer. I'm like, what are they talking about? You know, when you're young, you know, everything is go, go, go. You know, you got the energy. You got, you know, you really got no testimony. Uh, I mean, you had, but for those of us who weren't as spiritual as we should be, we just woke up in the morning, went about our day, and we thought that we could conquer the world. But when you start going through a little something, something, come on. Uh, when, when, when life starts throwing some curveballs at you, you know, uh, when, 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 when things get a little tough and, 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 and maybe uh, you're in a place where, uh, where, where some, some devastation is going on, maybe, maybe the money has turned funny and the change is strange, maybe, maybe you don't have, like me, I graduated, walked down the aisle and didn't have a job until Elder Alex Bryant gave me a call to come to set. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You don't know how you're going to feed your family. You, 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 you're following the Lord, but the Lord ain't quote unquote, showed up yet. Uh, his timing is not your timing. Or maybe, you know, you've got a family member that got sick and, you know, uh, maybe you've lost a loved one and, and things got a little rough. I learned after I started living that, look, sometimes all you can do is hold on to God's unchanging hand. All, sometimes all you, all you can do is literally, like Jesus said, endure until the end and if, if if even though the race is hard and even though the race is long if we endure jesus says unto the end we shall be saved somebody ought to say somebody ought to say amen the fact that one must recognize the need for spiritual endurance is proof that the race is not a sprint, but it's more like a marathon. Even in 2020, the race is still not given to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, but to those who have endured unto the end. Top family, I just want to give you some encouragement today in the midst of this chaos and in the midst of this crisis, in the midst of of, of quarantine and, 
And, and y'all know I'm a social person. I'm an extrovert. You know, all the introverts out there, they loving this thing. But extroverts out here, y'all, we dying. You know, you know, I, you know, you know this. You know, so it's an endurance. Now, I love my family. I hug on my wife and my my my, my daughter's home from Oakwood. So all the girls are home, and you know, and you know, but this social distancing thing, boy, this thing. You know, I was like, man, this thing is not of God, man. I'm dying over here. You know, I I need. You know, I I gotta love on folk, man. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know, I go to Walmart. I'm being all friendly, folk. Are like, man, why you why you so close, man? Man, stay over there, man. You know, uh, so so I. This is an endurance. Listen, this is an endurance exercise for all of us. But Jesus said, if we endure until the end, if we can make it through, he says the same shall be saved. And, and I want to leave, I want to leave you guys with this analogy because, uh, and I'm not a LeBron, I wasn't a LeBron fan. I'm a Laker fan. For those of you who know me, you know, I'm a Laker fan. I'm a Laker all the way, all the way Laker, every day Laker, Kobe Bryant, all the way. You know, God, God rest his soul. But but LeBron did something a couple of years ago. LeBron did something a couple of years ago. Um, when he was when he was playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Again, I'm not I wasn't a LeBron fan. I sure enough wasn't no Cleveland fan. Come on, I was a straight Cleveland hater. But I gotta use this analogy because because the Cavaliers were down three to one in the NBA championship to the Golden State Warriors. So that means Golden State had three, Cavaliers had one, and I sure enough declared, it's over. It is over. It's done. They ain't going to beat the, the, the Golden State Warriors in three straight games. But LeBron rallied the troops. LeBron told the brothers, we're going to take this thing one game at a time. <laughs> LeBron said, it ain't over until it's over. And so, and so down three one. You know, I'm, again, I'm a hater. I'm like, oh man, they go. So, so listen. So it's three one. That's four games. They win game five. So now they're down three two. And I'm still talking trash. My boy Myron Edmonds up there in Cleveland. You know, he talking trash. I'm talking trash. I'm like, oh y'all get y'all was at home. Y'all 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 y'all. They gave y'all that game, but y'all ain't gonna beat Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, the Splash Brother. Y'all ain't coming back from this thing. And, and, and lo and behold, y'all, they went into Golden State for game six, and they won. Now it's tied up. It's three all. It's three It's three three. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm talking trash, but but I'm nervous talking trash now. You know, I'm like, I don't know, man. It's, it's getting a little, it's getting a little dicey. But I'm like, surely they ain't gonna win no game seven, not in Golden State. They ain't gonna win no game seven in Golden State. Come on, they gotta go to the Oracle Arena. It's the loudest. Uh, crowd in the NBA, they got the home crowd with them. You know, you got Steph Curry, you got Clay Thompson, you got Draymond. You know, no, nah, no, nah, they ain't coming back. Y'all, lo and behold, we in Game Seven, and it's in the fourth quarter, final seconds. Cleveland got the ball, and 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 it's either tied up or they're down by one or two, and Kyrie Irving gets the ball. Gets the ball, and I remember it like it was yesterday. That's why it's so vivid in my mind. You know, he, he gets to the right side of the court. He's on the outside of the three-point line on the right side, and he, he, he shoots his shot, and he's fading away out of bounds. The ball goes up, and that ball ain't hit nothing 
but the bottom of the net. And the Cavaliers won the championship after being down 3-1 to win the NBA Finals. And I want to declare to you today that if you don't give up, if you just hang on in there, if you just hold on just a little while, top family, if you just if you just keep on running, even though the race is hard and even though the race is long, uh, uh, Paul says there's a championship that we can win. But here's the thing. It ain't just one person going to get the championship. It ain't just one crown. Uh, like Oprah, everybody gets the crown if you hang on in there. You get a crown, and you get a crown, and you get a crown, and I get a crown, and everybody gets a crown. Why? Because the Bible says that the race that we are running is a race where it ain't just one person that can win the championship, but everybody gets to win the championship. And, and the songwriter says, I shall wear a crown. When it's all over, somebody ought to say amen. I shall see his face when it's all over. I'm going to put on my robe. I wish I had a choir up in this piece right now. I'm going to put on my robe. I'm going to tell the story about how I made it over. Woo! I'm getting teary-eyed just thinking about it. Look, uh, when COVID-19 and this corona, you know, my, my family, we call it the Rona. Uh, so, so even if the Rona come knocking, even on our door, uh, Paul says, not even death can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's why you can't let this thing scare you. You can't walk in fear. You got to walk in faith, ladies and gentlemen, because I've got a robe waiting on me. I've got a mansion waiting on me. I've got a crown of righteousness waiting on me. I don't know what is coming, but it doesn't matter. The songwriter says soon and very soon. People try to predict what day is going to come and, 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 and what's going to go down, how it's going to go down. Jesus says, look, not even the, oh, not even I know Jesus said, not even the angels know, only the father. But I think soon is a good word. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to see the king. So, so top family, we got to keep pressing. Even though the race is hard, we got to keep pressing. Even though the race is long, we got to keep pressing. We haven't yet received our reward, our tangible reward. Yes, we may have eternal life even now. That's why the first death can't separate us. But we're not yet in the inside of the pearly gates. We're not yet walking on streets of gold. I told my kids, I'm going to even walk on the river of life. Well, how you know that, Dad? Because if Jesus could walk on water on earth, woo, I'm going to walk on the river of life in heaven. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but there's a there are more joys that haven't been told, but we got to hang on in there. We can't throw in the towel now, and God has brought us too far. He has brought us too far for us to turn around. So we got to press because the race is hard. Got to keep pressing in spite the race being long. And if we do that, saints, we're going to be all right. We're going to make it in. 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 You can put your hands together. You can put your hands together and praise God that we go. Come on, top family, out there in your homes or in your car uh, or wherever you are. 
we can put our hands together and we can praise him because God is faithful to all of his promises. Pray with me as we close out. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I'm just praying today that some soul who was who was who was getting overwhelmed by 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 this corona COVID-19 uh, state of affairs that we're in, someone that was 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 feeling a little uh, dejected and and depressed, someone, uh, Lord, who needed a word of encouragement today. Lord, I pray that they have received that word, not just by hearing, but by receiving it in their spirit. Lord, I. I pray today, Lord, that, that somebody here has, has seen the, the power of Jesus and, and the power of his resurrection, that if we are in him, that there is nothing that can separate us. No problem, no virus can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray somebody here today has been encouraged that in spite of the race being hard and long in their own life, that they will not give in that they will keep on pressing, that they will keep on striving, that they will keep uh, making Jesus their choice. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that, that every man and woman, every boy and girl, every family represented on this line will use this quarantine time to press a little bit closer to Jesus. Because, Lord, your word reminds us that, that when all the virgins fell asleep, they all woke up. Hallelujah. And Lord, we pray that we're waking up, but Lord, we just don't want to be among the 10 that woke up. Lord, we want to be among the five who had the extra oil in their lamps. Lord, that's the oil, the, the power of your Holy Spirit. That's what the oil represents. And Lord, I pray that you will give your people today a double portion of your spirit. Pour out your Holy Ghost on your people even now, oh God, so we can have that infilling of the Holy Spirit. So that when, when the real time of trouble comes, this is just a, a warm-up. This is just a test run. But when the real time of trouble comes, Lord, that we would have that extra oil. And when the bridegroom comes, we will be able to be ushered into that room because we've been filled with the Spirit. We've been covered by the blood of Jesus. And, Lord, we can't wait for that day, Lord, when we will live in a land where sickness won't touch and disease won't be there and 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 COVID-19 wouldn't exist and death and sorrow and dying will be no more because we are now with you and we can celebrate with you throughout eternity. That is our prayer. That is our plea. We ask it and we thank you in the name of Jesus we pray. And all God's children said amen and amen. And amen. 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 Praise the Lord saints. Of God, thank you, Pastor, for those encouraging words. I don't know about you, saints, but I feel encouraged. I feel like I, I can press on now towards that high mark. So thank you for allowing the Lord to use you in a mighty way. And saints, we just want to remind you at 2.30 this evening, we're going to have our training for discipleship class. It's going to be led out by Elder Lee Carroll. We're going to be studying out of the book, Country Living. So we want you to tune in at 2.30 on our prayer line or on go to web, uh, Top's website, and it will be a link there. Also, we want to remind you that on Wednesday night, we want you to connect uh, connect prayer service at 6.45. We're going, to do it. We're going to connect 15 minutes early because the whole world is trying to get on at 7 o'clock and those phone lines get jammed. So we're going to start 15 minutes early. 
So we'll see you. And we're going to join the um, First Church, Dr. Snell, with our communion service, which is already in progress. So until then, saints, be blessed. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace both now and forevermore. Amen. over in Matthew chapter 26. So today we're going to begin at Exodus chapter 12 and we'll begin at verse 11 and just put your thumb over in Exodus 26 which is in uh, Matthew 26 which is where we will land today. Exodus chapter 12 and just for context sake what we're describing to you in verse 11 are the instructions that God gave to Moses to give to the people for how they were supposed to eat the Passover meal. Exodus chapter 12 and verse 11. Again, when you get there in your house, say amen. The Bible says this, and thus shall you eat it. Talking about the Passover meal. You shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So shall you eat it in haste. For it is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. For I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over. And the plague shall not be upon you when I strike the land of Egypt. Then in verse 15, he gives this instruction. He says, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread and on the first day you shall remove all the leaven from your houses for whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh that person shall be cut off from israel on the first day there shall be a holy convocation on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you no manner of work shall be done on them but that which everyone must eat that only shall be prepared for you and then he says in verse 17, you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on the same night, I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, you shall observe this day throughout your generations as, as an everlasting ordinance. Now, do me a favor, switch over quickly to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And we're going to begin together at verse number 26. Matthew 26 and verse 26. The Bible says that as they were eating, Jesus took bread.
blessed and broke it. And he gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I can drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. But again, I want to read for emphasis, verse 26, the Bible says, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread. Today, for just a little while, I want to talk to you under the subject, why I'm so glad Jesus took bread. Why I'm so glad Jesus took bread. Let's pray together. Father, these are extraordinary times. But we're not fearful because we serve an extraordinary God. So Lord, I am praying that in the preaching of the word, that faith would be multiplied exponentially and that the symbols, the bread and and the wine, that that reality would be revealed to us afresh and anew. So once again, Lord, would you please hide me in the shadows of the cross that Jesus alone might be seen, that Christ alone would be heard. And at the end of this service, may Jesus alone be praised. We pray this in the wonderful name of him who is altogether lovely. Let God's people say together, amen and amen. Here we find Jesus and his disciples eating what becomes known in Christendom as the Last Supper. But in real time, they are celebrating the Passover feast, which was to commemorate their time of deliverance as slaves from the cruel bondage in the land of Egypt. And be clear that the Passover feast had three primary elements. First, there was the lamb. Second, there was the unleavened bread. And third, there was the unfermented fruit of the grape, which symbolized his blood. And let's be clear that all symbols represented Christ, for he was the lamb that was to be slain. Christ was the bread that was to be broken. And Jesus' blood that was shed would be symbolized by the wine. And it's noteworthy that you have the symbols of the old covenant, the lamb, and the symbols of the new covenant, the bread and the wine, all being eaten together here in the same meal. So that when Jesus deletes the old covenant, Passover, and institutes the new covenant, communion, he does not have to find a new set of symbols. He simply transitions the emphasis from the lamb to be slain to the bread that was supposed to be broken which shows that the old and new covenants were not in competition with one another, but that the new covenant was simply a ratification of the old covenant, that the new covenant simply completed the old covenant, that the new covenant was simply an outgrowth of the old covenant. And the reason I bring this to your attention is that sometimes we create a disconnect between the God of the new covenant and the God of the old covenant. 
There are times where we treat the God of the new covenant like he's an improvement over the God of the old covenant. Sometimes we treat the God of the new covenant like he's got a different character than the God of the old covenant. But understand that Jesus allowing all the symbols to be eaten together, that they are simply a representative of what God said in the second Corinthians, that it was God in Christ that was reconciling the world unto himself. I love in Malachi 3 verse 6 that God says to Israel that I am the Lord, I change not, lest ye sons of Jacob would be consumed. And understand that when God says I don't change, he's not using it in the way we use it. When he says he doesn't change, he's not talking about standards, he's not talking about church methodology he is talking about his unfailing love to disobedient children in other words god is saying if i change y'all would have been dead in your sins if i change you would be up the creek without a paddle if i change there would be no hope for redemption but because i never change my mercy is going to be extended to humanity and the reason that's important is because sometimes we act like god became gracious when he became a babe in bethlehem but understand that our human flesh was not an improvement to his divinity but God was merciful from the beginning of time. I need somebody to understand that God was merciful in Genesis 3.15 when Adam and Eve were expecting a death sentence. God came in the cool of the day, walking in the garden to reveal a deliverer. He was merciful when he said that I'm going to send one that's going to have his heel bruised, but he's going to crush the head of the serpent. I need you to know that he was merciful even in the time of the flood, because if God doesn't spare Noah, then there can never be Jesus. And even though Noah was a good dude, he was not saved because he was a good cat. The Bible says that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So even Noah was not redeemed because he was good. Even Noah was deemed, redeemed by his grace and his unmerited favor. Know that even in Sodom and Gomorrah that God was merciful because remember Abar Lot and his family dilly-dallied but it was in mercy that God literally pulled them on the outskirts where they could be saved from the curse. And I need you to know that God didn't just become merciful on the cross, but God was merciful to lying Abraham. God was merciful to rock striking Moses. That God was merciful to adultering David. That God was merciful even in the old covenant so that the old new covenant was not a, a better covenant, but it was simply a completion of the covenant. In fact, let me say it this way. In fact, I believe that the old covenant, and everybody won't get this, I believe that the old covenant was simply an, an, an old system of what we would call layaway. Now, 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 I know everybody in this room can't can relate to layaway. Some of you have always had the money to get what you needed right when you need it. But for those that have come up the rough side of the mountain, you know something about layaway online. And so what layaway is, is that right around Thanksgiving, around before Christmas, you would get the bicycle and put it on layaway, the kids' toys and put it on layaway, the television and put it on layaway. And remember when you put something on layaway, essentially what they did was that they would preserve 
serve it for you and you would make one little payment at a time but understand that it wasn't yours until that final payment had been made so that if a final payment was not made it would go back into the ownership of the retail store and understand that it wasn't until the final payment was made that you were able to lay claim to it and walk out with it and what I need you to know that under the old covenant God put your salvation on layaway under the old covenant he put redemption on layaway he put your forgiveness on layaway and through the sacrificial systems he made one little payment at a time but the good news is that at the cross the lamb made the final payment and because he made the final payment those of us under the new covenant can just lay claim to redemption we can lay claim to forgiveness. We can lay claim to salvation because he made the final payment. Somebody at home ought to be saying amen today. And so understand here that, that, that Jesus here uh, lets us know that this unleavened bread symbolized Jesus Christ. Now understand that the reason that God told them to make unleavened bread was twofold. The first reason he told them to make unleavened bread was unleavened bread was for people who had somewhere to go. Uh, let, let me kind of break it down a little further because see we just read here in Exodus chapter 12 how when God was going to deliver his people during the Passover meal understand that this meal was not to be a casual meal in fact the Bible says in Exodus 12 that this meal was to be eaten with haste in fact when they ate this Passover meal Anthony they didn't have time to be cute with this thing they were supposed to eat it with a belt around their waist with the sandals on their feet with their staff in their hand in fact they were supposed to eat the meal standing up as a symbol that they were on their way out of the land of bondage in other words when you ate this meal it's cause you were headed to a better place when you ate this meal it was because you had somewhere to go when you ate this meal is cause you ain't have long to stay here when you ate this meal it was because you didn't want your current location to become your permanent location and see, understand that the reason that God told them to make bread without leaven was twofold. Number one, when you bake bread with leaven, it was going to slow you down. See, this meal was an urgent meal so that when they bake bread with leaven or yeast, they didn't have time to sit around and wait for the leaven to cause the bread to rise. It would have taken up too much time for the leaven to fill out the entire lump. The second reason that they can't wait for leaven is that when you make bread, that is made with leaven or yeast it sits on you a little differently in other words when you get one of those big old fat yeast rolls that they would normally make what would happen is it would make you sleepy it would make you sluggish and some of that itis would begin to set in that would make you not want to make the long journey that you had to make but understand the reason he told them to make unleavened bread was that it had a simplicity and a lightness that was able to preserve them without paralyzing them 
So, so understand that leaven would take so long that it would have made them miss their disappointment. That it would have sit on them and make them not want to move. Now the thing I need somebody to get is that leaven is not sinful. But it became a symbol of the power of sin because leaven represents that which weighs you down or distracts you from realizing your divine appointment. See, there are some of us, ma'am, that are going to miss our divine appointment because we're cooking and baking with too much leaven in our lives. I want to encourage all of the pilgrims that are watching this broadcast that understand that this world is not your home, that you don't have time to be baking with too much leaven because you can't be weighed down because you got somewhere to go. See, I need somebody to kind of understand this. The reason that some of us are going to miss our divine appointment and it's going to get quiet. All the likes are going to stop right here. But the reason some of us are going to miss our appointment is because our favorite shows have too much leaven in them. The, the, the reason some of us are weighed down is that the relationship you're baking, you're baking it with too much leaven. The, the reason our kids are spiritually sluggish is their video games have too much leaven. The reason that some of us are bogged down is because your gossip buddy has too much leaven underneath their tongues. The reason some of us are slaves to social media is that likes and mentions have become the leaven that keep you bound to where you are. And I need somebody to get today that you got to be careful about leaven if you don't want your current location to become your permanent location. But the second reason that God tells them to make unleavened bread was this, was because for the foreseeable future, they were going to be in a traveling disposition. In fact, the Bible says that for the next eight days, they were only to eat unleavened bread. Why? Because it was going to take about that amount of time to get through the wilderness and through the Red Sea where God's deliverance was going to be complete. So God told them to be careful about what they eat because all food doesn't travel well. In other words, now as a southerner, I I am a free I, I am a fan of potato salad. But but let me be real though, if I'm gonna be in the car for a long time and it's gonna be hot, man, I, I ain't taking no potato salad because after a few hours in the sun, it's gonna go bad. It doesn't travel well. Like like I'm I'm a fan of broccoli, but if anybody has ever had broccoli be in a car for a long time, it's it's gonna pay off. You won't have to glit down them windows after a while. When, them, when them, that broccoli or collard greens begin to shift on you. I, I like ice cream, but the problem with ice cream is you can't take it in the car. After about two or three minutes, it is going to begin to melt because certain food is going to either spoil quickly or it's going to be environment dependent. And what I mean when I say that is that as they leave the land of Egypt, their whole environment, food cannot be environment dependent. What do you mean, Pastor? Because as they strike out into the desert, at times they're going to experience desert heat in the day. And then it's going to be arid cold in the night. As they travel, sometimes it's going to be rainy and sometimes it's going to be dry. It cannot be altitude dependent because sometimes they're going to be in the mountains and sometimes they're going to be in the valley. 
valley. And so they need something that's not going to spoil after a couple days. You see, understand that when you made bread with yeast in it, the problem with yeast bread is that it was spoiled between two and four days because it had the capability to ferment. It would begin to mold and mildew and it would go bad. In other words, leavened bread would not last to the end of the journey. In other words, they needed something, y'all not catching me yet, that was going to sustain itself while at the same time sustaining them. They, they, they needed something that was going to last the entirety of the trip. They, they, they needed something that was going to travel well, that could go up high and down low. And see, I need you to know that leavened bread represents everything in your life that you depend on that can keep you to the end of the journey. See, I need you to know that leaven represents everything in your life that starts good, but ends bad real quickly. See, I need somebody to understand that there's some of the things that we're putting in trust in. It can't keep us the entirety of the journey. There are certain things that we're putting hope in. It'll spoil and go bad and fail you in the midst of the crisis. See, what we're learning right now is that money, it's like leaven. It can't keep you when cancer touches your body. I need you to know that reputation is like leaven. It don't give you no strength. Then when all hell breaks loose, I need you to understand your social standing is like leaven. It doesn't mean nothing when death sits at your doorstop. I need you to understand all the Twitter followers in the world can't support you when you're in that dark midnight and seeing the travail of your soul. But the good news is that God sent them with something that would stay fresh until they made it to the other side. And in other words, the reason that God identifies himself with unleavened bread is that unleavened bread was good when it was hot outside. And unleavened bread was good when it got cold outside. Unleavened bread was good when there was moisture in the air. And unleavened bread would still be preserved when the air was dry. Unleavened bread was good after two days and it was still good after seven days. And how many of us know that Jesus is our daily bread? Because Jesus can keep us no matter where we are on our spiritual journey. The thing I love about Jesus is that Jesus can keep you when the weather is good. And Jesus can keep you when the weather is bad. Jesus can keep you when it's bright and sunny. And Jesus can keep you in the middle of the storm. Jesus can keep you when you first start your journey. And Jesus can keep you when you've been down the way for a little while. The thing I like about Jesus, he's not climate dependent. He is not situation dependent. He is not circumstance dependent. He can preserve himself and he can preserve us in line. Thank God for the unleavened bread. That is Jesus Christ. Are y'all hearing me today? And so there are some reasons I believe that, that he chooses unleavened bread. See, see, the other reason I believe he identifies with unleavened bread, number three, is, is because of the texture of unleavened bread. So some of y'all who, who cooked some unleavened bread this week, one of the things that you saw about unleavened bread, if you cooked it right, is that sometimes unleavened bread has almost a fleshy texture to it. Uh, in other words, that, that when Jesus literally got to the place where he broke the bread, because it had that texture that was almost like flesh, y'all not catching this, it, it communicated a more powerful reality for when he broke the bread. 
and he pulled it asunder as he says this is my body it is the horrifying and yet hopeful reality that as he pulls it apart it is symptomatic of the flesh that will be pulled off the body of the Lord of glory in order to purchase our salvation. And so I need you to understand that as he literally begins to break the body, David, I need you to see what he does. See, the reason he has to break the bread is so he can share the bread. The reason he breaks the bread is so he can share the bread. Now, the thing that strikes me, Rasheed, is who he's sharing the bread with. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. It's amazing how when he breaks the bread, to betray the Lord of glory. He gives a peace to all of them that will betray him. And why does he give the bread to unfaithful, unruly, unkempt disciples? He designed it to set it up to teach us that our salvation was not dependent upon our faithfulness. He gave them bread before they repented. He gave them bread before they turned around. He gave them bread before they got it right. He was trying to teach us that while we were yet sinners, that Christ would die for the ungodly. Can anybody just in your living room, right there in your car, just take a moment to lift a holy hand. Go ahead and run across your living room. I'm thankful that God made the first move. I'm grateful that God made the first advance. I'm thankful that God didn't wait for me to get right because the truth is I couldn't get right that my getting right is a response to a divine initiative where Jesus reached out to me. In other words, stop this junk talking about how you've been in love with Jesus your whole life. The devil is a liar. We are all born in sin, shaping in iniquity. And the only reason I love him is because he first loved me. Are y'all hearing the word today? And it's crazy because how God does this is interesting because he, he, he chooses unleavened bread because it's got a fleshy texture to it. In other words, and even when you, when you chew unleavened bread, it's amazing how when you chew it, it's gummy. But if you, if you, if you heated it just right, it also crumbles and crunches so, so that when you eat unleavened bread, it's going to make a sound. You, you can't eat it and miss it. You, you can't eat it and not know it's there. Because it's going to require some effort for you to chew it. And it's going to make a sound to let you know that something is taking place. In fact, I read something interesting. It talked about how historians say how even in the, in the early centuries, how the communion service was actually hard for early believers to take. In other words, those who had seen and known the Lord, like when they realized that this was a symbol of his body. And that this juice symbolized his blood. And because they had seen the Lord of glory, it was a little bit difficult for them to be able to digest and to be able to internalize the reality that was putting forth. In fact, sometimes they would even chew with tears in their eyes because they knew that when they bit down, 
It represented the cat of nine tails that would rip the flesh from his body. That when they chewed again, it was the nails that went into left hand. When they chewed again, it was a nail into his right hand. When they chewed again, Again, it was nails into his feet. When they chewed again, it was a crown of thorns on his head. When they kept on chewing, it was a spear plugged into his side. And they ate with a different reality that as their incisors cut it into pieces to the point where even though it was whole when they got it, it could not even be recognizable or discernible in their mouth. It was symbolic of the fact that by the time Jesus got to the cross, that so much of his flesh had been torn off and removed that they could not even recognize him anymore. And see, the reason they did this was to kind of help them be steadfast in their minds that salvation, though free to them, it came at the cost of everything to the Lord of glory. Are y'all hearing the word of God today? And it's amazing how some suggest that they would even chew with carefulness. They would chew with caution. They would chew with a gentleness because they knew what the bread symbolized. And what I'm saying to you today is not necessarily to chew with caution or to chew with gentleness, but to live with caution and live with gentleness because understand that our presumptuous reckless intentional sins what they do the bible says they crucify him afresh and they put him to an open shame so understand your caution shouldn't be in how you chew during the service your caution ought to be in how you live after the benediction are y'all hearing me today Unless I need you to know I'm almost done. But I want to say something to you. The Bible says there in Matthew 26 and verse number 26. The Bible says it's a very simple statement. We run past it. But I believe that there's a whole lot of joy right in that one verse. The Bible says that after they were eating, the Bible says that Jesus took bread. Uh, I, I'm just excited. I'm out of my mind, turned up. I'm elated beyond what my words can express. Like it don't even make no sense how hype I am. Just to hear that Jesus took bread. Now, can I tell you why I'm so excited that Jesus took bread? See, the problem is we think that Jesus got the victory in the Garden of Gethsemane. We think that Jesus got the victory when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We think Jesus got the victory after he declared it is finished. We think that he got the victory when he rose on the third day. But I want to suggest a different way of looking at it. I believe that Jesus didn't get the victory at the tomb. I don't believe he got the victory on the cross. I don't believe he got the victory in Gethsemane. I believe Jesus got the victory as soon as Jesus took bread. Oh, y'all not with me yet. See, y'all know, know how this should read. You see, the disciples are thrown off when the Bible says that he took the bread and he blessed the bread and broke the bread. What the disciples are expecting him to say is when Jesus took the lamb. No, 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 but he didn't take the lamb. The Bible says that he took bread. I'm, I'm going to let that sink in for a little bit. The word says he doesn't take the bread. He took the lamb. He doesn't take the lamb. He takes the bread. In fact, the Bible says that he takes the bread after supper. In other words, he took the bread after the lamb was eaten. In other words, the lamb was already an afterthought when he took the bread. Oh, I wish 
somebody was hearing this word with me today. In other words, when Jesus takes the bread and bypasses the lamb, what he's essentially saying is that the lamb is no longer necessary. The, the reason he doesn't take the bread until uh, the reason he takes bread before the resurrection and not after the resurrection is that when he takes the bread, I need you to know that the old covenant is not ratified at the cross. The old covenant is ratified as soon as Jesus takes the bread. In other words, as soon as Jesus takes the bread, guess what? The Lord. as he takes the bread that the type has met the antitype as soon as Jesus gets the bread the law of the old covenant is obsolete as soon as he takes the bread in other words he's saying you don't need the type because the antitype is here you don't need the symbol because the reality has showed up you don't need to look at the shadow because the figure has arrived. What are y'all talking about, Pastor? Remember in the book, Desire of Ages, in the chapter entitled, It Is Finished. Remember that there was right there that he was crucified on Passover weekend. In other words, he took the bread, suggesting that the lambs were no longer necessary. But y'all remember that dark Friday where it was the Passover day, where the priest would be in the temple getting ready to slay the Paschal Passover lamb. But then the Bible says that darkness came over the face of the earth, and the old song says that the sun refused to shine and then great thunder began to bolt and lightning began to flash and just before the priest as he had the lamb on the slate as he had the knife in his hand just before he got ready to slay the lamb there was some invisible hands that came and tore the veil in the sanctuary from the top all the way down to the bottom and when all of these things took place the priest was able to drop the knife and the lamb that was about to be slain was able to get away and the reason the lamb got away was because Jesus took bread oh y'all didn't catch that today oh, now I need y'all to understand as they look forward that the lamb represented Jesus but on that day the lamb represented us what are you talking about pastor because the lamb that got away the lamb didn't have to die the lamb was able to escape penalty why because Jesus took bread in other words, he represents those of us that have gotten a pardon that have been declared not guilty simply because Jesus took bread. Now, I know that there's some of us who are, who are still wrestling with this thing. Y'all say, no, Pastor, Jesus got the victory at the resurrection. That Jesus got the victory at the cross. That Jesus got the victory in, salvation, in Gethsemane. Now, what does it mean that he took bread? See, I need us to understand that Jesus does something. And it shows us something about the power of the word. See, Jesus takes the bread, thus rendering the sacrificial system obsolete. Not after the resurrection. But he does it even before the crucifixion. Because when Jesus takes the bread, he is making a promise. When Jesus takes the bread, he is making a pledge. When Jesus takes the bread, he is making a guarantee. 
In other words, he's saying when I take the bread that the use of lambs and pigeon doves, it is permanently put in your rearview mirror. You won't have to look forward anymore because the reality is here. Now, I need you all to understand that they looked at Passover way differently than we celebrated communion. Because when they came to take the Passover feast, what they were doing is they were taking it in faith. In other words, they were looking forward to what was to come. But when we take communion, our praise ought to be on a whole nother level. Our celebration ought to be lit out of this world. Our praise ought to be on a whole nother plane. Why? Because we're not looking forward to what's to come. We're celebrating what God has already done. In other words, let me say it this way. The problem is they looked at Passover like students, but we look at communion like alumnus. Oh, okay. Let, let, let me say it again. See, see, they look at Passover like students, but, but we look at communion like alumnus. Now, I need you to know that I'm a proud alumnus of Oakwood uh, then College, now university. I've already got my degree. My, my requirements have been satisfied. Now, I need you to understand that when I was a student, I need you to know that my primary focus was graduation. Do I have a witness in this place? Now, understand that even though I was a student, when you're a student, graduation is just a concept till it happens. In other words, as a student, you got a whole lot of anxiety because you don't know if you're going to have money to pay the bill each semester. Semester. You don't know if you're going to be able to pass the test. You don't know if you're going to be able to pass the quiz. But you're constantly looking forward with apprehension because the graduation is not yet come. But understand that I enjoy Oakwood a whole lot more as an alumnus. Now, the reason I enjoy school as an alumnus, why? Is because the bill has already been paid. The reason I enjoy now is that the requirements have been satisfied. I need you to know I ain't got no more tests to take because I'm an alumnus and I just celebrate what's being taken place. Now understand that for them, they look forward to Passover as graduation. But as alumnus, we look forward to communion like homecoming. Oh, y'all, y'all didn't get it. They look to graduation. But as believers, we look to homecoming. And the reason I can look forward to homecoming is because of Jesus, the bill has been paid. Because of Jesus, the requirements have been satisfied. Because of Jesus, the tests have been passed. And the reason I know there's going to be a homecoming, even for those that have perished, even for those that have fallen asleep, even for those that rest in their grave, there's a guaranteed eternal homecoming in the heavens for all the alumnus that claim by faith the merits of his broken body and his shed blood. So I need us to understand as I take my place that it was at the cross, at the, the place where he took bread that he put the, the, the sacrificial system to, to the end. But I believe that it was also when Jesus took bread that Jesus claimed authority. Remember Jesus said before he was crucified, he says the prince of this world talking about Satan. He comes, but he ain't got nothing in me. In other words, you realize that because of Adam's sin, he had forfeited the dominion that belonged to us over to Satan. So that Satan is referred to as the prince of this world. Ephesians referred to him as the prince of the power of the air. In other words, Romans 5 says that death literally reigned from Adam all the way down to Jesus Christ. So that when Jesus took bread, making the pledge, making the promise, making the guarantee, it is that that he takes the scepter that he snatches the keys and it is at that time that Jesus takes the crown okay y'all didn't get it it was when he took bread that Jesus takes hold of a crown 
never ever to be given away again. Y'all didn't catch that. He takes a crown that can never, allows him never to be a throne, overthrown. He can never be replaced. He cannot be voted out. Jesus has the crown simply because he took bread. Now, why is that important in this day and time of the COVID or coronavirus? See, some of us need to realize that that word corona, it is not a new word. It just doesn't reference an alcoholic beverage. But the word corona is actually a Latin or Greek word that literally means crown. The word corona means to be crowned with authority or a garland of victory. And I need you to understand that Satan has been able to conjure up this virus to try to crown you with fear. To try to crown you with apprehension. To try to crown you with sickness. To try to crown you with uh, uh, a satanic authority. But the reason that I'm not going to yield to the crown of this virus was because Jesus took bread. He took the crown never ever to be relented from. But because he's got the crown, I can be crowned with peace. I can be crowned with joy. I can be crowned with victory. I can be crowned with an overcoming. How many of us know that as the old song says, that I shall wear a crown. I said, I shall wear a crown. That one of these days I'm going to put on my robe and I'm going to tell the story how I made it over. As soon as I get home, we shall wear a crown simply because my Jesus and your Jesus, I praise him because Jesus took bread. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God in this place. So I want somebody to know that we have victory. We have this assurance. We have joy and peace. And we have a solemnity in the midst of all of the apprehension of this world. And the reason we can have peace and joy in the midst of it all is because when Jesus took bread, he did away with the obsolete outdated old covenant because he was the fulfillment of all things he took hold of principalities and powers dominion over all things that pertaineth unto us so even as the Christ tries to crown us with fear crown us with apprehension crown us even with the pains of death even for those that loved ones who are sick or have loved ones that have perished because Jesus took bread I need you to know that there's going to be a great homecoming in the sky that is guaranteed to all of the alumnus who look back in celebrations because of what Jesus Christ has already done. So today, I want to just appeal to somebody in this room so that as you partake of the communion, when you eat of the bread, as you chew, I'm praying that with freshness you would remember the broken the flesh of Jesus that was torn apart in a way that he was unrecognizable for us. I'm praying that as we would drink, we would remember the blood that was spilled. Like salvation was free to us, but it's free only because they didn't charge our account. They have reapplied the charges to the account of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage somebody today who is watching this service online. You're watching this service online. You're watching it on video. And maybe you you just, for whatever reason, you never know what the cross was all about. Never knew what all the hype was about. Never realized what the cross did for you. But today, you want to respond to the call of Jesus Christ. And if you're here in the Huntsville area and you want to make a decision for Jesus Christ, I, I want to encourage you to, to do two, two, two things. Just put me a message in, inside of the Facebook thread or the YouTube thread. 
put your email address in it, put your decision that says, I want to be baptized. It says, I want to, I want to profess my faith in Jesus. I want to join the church of the living God. Or you can email me right here at busychurch at bellsouth.net, bellsouth.net. Or even if you're watching from Washington, I know we got people from Washington and Atlanta and, and, and San Diego and California and in Virginia and all other places. If you don't have a church home, I want to invite you to just Google the, the nearest Seventh-day Adventist church to where you live, where you minister, I mean where you live and where you serve. And get connected with the body of Christ that can get you connected with the Lord of glory, Jesus Christ, so that you can live out your faith in real time. I don't know about you, but I'm just excited and grateful thankful beyond words that Jesus took bread. And so in just a moment, we're going to shift to the communion table. We're going to celebrate the emblems of his broken body and his shed blood. But right now I'm going to pray. I'm asking you just at home where you are, maybe you join hands with your loved ones or get in a prayer huddle where we're simply going to pray that we will be able to make sure that we don't have the leaven of sin holding us down. That we're not distracted by the weight of leaven. But that we live as pilgrims, that we live as those who are on our way to a better place. Father in heaven, you heard the prayers of you people. Lord, we're praying this prayer today, not out of form or formality. We're praying this prayer today because as cautiously as those in times before choose, we want to be that cautious about living an authentic Christian life. Father, we, 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 we want to take this bread the same way, in the same spirit as those that took the Passover. We want to take it as those that are on their way somewhere. Realizing that this Egypt is not our home, but we are headed toward a heavenly Canaan. And so, Lord, I'm praying that you would help us not to get weighed down. But help us not to put our trust in things that don't travel and things that are circumstance dependent or environment dependent or climate dependent. But help us to trust in you, the unleavened bread that has the strength to sustain not only yourself, but you sustain us to the end of our journey. So, Lord, may this communion experience be different, may it be different from all the others. May the reality of Christ be fresh. May it be new. May it be real. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Some of you are watching us from home today, uh, and, and I want you to know what we're going to do at this time is we're going to have a, a virtual welcome. Your pastors or your representatives from where you minister and serve, some have sent welcome videos so that you can see their face as we now shift to the table. So I want to encourage you to begin preparing your basins of water, your towels, and preparing your bread and your, your wine to be consumed as we get ready to go to the Lord's table. God bless you as you receive this virtual welcome from our friends who are partnering with us in ministry this weekend. Well, God bless you. This is Pastor Van Dion Griffin, Associate Youth Director for the North American Division of Seventh-day Adventists. And we are so grateful that we can be a part of this virtual communion hosted by the First Seventh-day Adventist Church of Huntsville, Alabama. And so on behalf of Dr. Tracy Wood, our Lead Director, and Pastor Armando Miranda, our Associate Youth Director, we greet all of the youth and young adults from around the North American Division. As we participate in this cleansing process, I pray that we all get a brand new start in Jesus Christ and we start gaining momentum. God bless you as we participate in this service today. Greetings, I'm Chaplain Andrew Francis, Command Chaplain for Naval Support Activity Washington. 
home of the historic Navy Chapel in Washington, D.C. As a member of the Restoration Praise Center, and on behalf of the sailors, marines, and coast guardsmen, I have the privilege to serve. I want to express our gratitude to the First SDA Church of Huntsville, Alabama, for extending this invitation to participate in the virtual communion service. As we seek to draw closer to God in the midst of our situation, and as we look to help one another out of the depths of their circumstances, it is indeed a blessing to be able to witness a community of faith that models the incontrovertible truth that the cross is indeed greater. Thank you. Happy Sabbath, believers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm Dwayne Thomas, pastor of the Breath of Life Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in Memphis, Tennessee. And on behalf of the Breath of Life Church family, I want to welcome you to this unprecedented celebration of the cross. How exciting it is to be a part of this gospel of the kingdom, going into all the world for witness. Because we know when that happens, the end is going to come. So God bless you and welcome once again to this universal virtual communion celebration. Good morning and happy Sabbath, first Seventh-day Adventist Church family. Uh, my name is Pastor Chris and Josiah. I'm the senior pastor of the Wakanda SDA Fellowship, a group of 11,000 waves from around the world, 77 countries represented. Uh, and we are so excited that we could be a part of this virtual communion service. Uh, I want to thank my friend, Pastor DeBlair Snell, for the invitation. Uh, we are an online virtual group. Uh, and so this is right up our alley. Uh, and we are excited to be able to celebrate the Lord's Supper uh, and the food Washington included uh, with you today. Uh, we pray that you have a great Sabbath as we fellowship together. Thank you again for the invite and may we celebrate the Lord's death until he comes. God bless you and have a happy Sabbath. Happy Sabbath. I'm Lola Johnston, pastor of the Woodbridge Seventh-day Adventist Church in Woodbridge, Virginia. My congregation and I are so thrilled to join you for this online communion experience, and we're so grateful to Pastor W.R. Snell, as well as his staff, for facilitating this opportunity. May God bless us as we worship together today. In the book of John, chapter 13, beginning in verse 4, it says this, And Jesus rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into the basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Then skipping down to verse 12, it says this, And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you not understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I, I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done unto you. And so I want to just, for the, our virtual churches and for those around the nation, the service that we are about to participate in reminds us of two fundamental pillars of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. The first is that we are called to be servants. And the second is that we are called to serve even our enemies. See, the aim of the world system is to figure out a way to be served. 
But the aim of the kingdom of God is to figure out a way to serve others. The aim of the world system is to figure out how to get even with our enemies. But the aim of the kingdom of God is to figure out how to bless our enemies. So some of us today will be able to participate in the symbolic action of foot washing that reminds us that we are servants who serve all, even our enemies. Others of us may not be able to participate in the symbolic action of washing feet, but all of us can participate in the reality of being servants who serve all, even our enemies. And so this afternoon, I want all of us, whether we are able to wash feet or not, to ask ourselves two questions. The first is, how is God calling me to serve others in this season? How is God calling me to serve others during this season? And the second question is, how is God calling me to serve those I don't like and have done me wrong? Our prayer today is that the symbol of this service would become a reality in our lives. God bless you. Represent the love God 
I'm going to this time say the prayer for the bread. My colleague and friend, Pastor Lee, will offer the prayer for the wine. Let us pray together. And at this time, we want to invite you to bring your home to a place where everyone is settled, where we are focused, and our complete attention is centered on the reality of what Jesus did. Father, we are so grateful for Jesus Christ, that you are God's thoughts made audible. We're truly thankful and grateful this day that you offered up your body to be broken for us. So Lord, some are using kits. Some have made their own bread. Would you shift this use from that which is normal to that which is sacred? And may the reality of your sacrifice be fresh and anew for us. In Jesus' name, amen. And Father, we're thankful, Lord, for this emblem that represents your broken body. There's no real power in the emblem. But Father, it represents a promise that we do this to Father because we acknowledge belief in your coming again. But not only that, dear Father, we celebrate the fact that you have taken bread and you broke it, dear Father, for our sake. And so we're grateful, dear Father, for this emblem that once again washes us clean and renews the promise, Lord, that you have forgiven and that you cleanse. And we're thankful, dear Father, for it. And after this, dear Father, may we continue to celebrate the fact, Lord, that you died, but God, you rose again. And we're grateful for what you've done. Continue to bless us this day, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So all across the land, as your homes were settled, we invite you to begin dividing up the bread, some that you've made, some that you received from your local church. We invite you to pass it to little ones, to your spouse. And we invite you to take hold of that bread which symbolizes his broken body. This is my body, which was broken for you. Take it and eat. In remembrance of Jesus, you may eat. And all across the world, God's people said together, Amen. We at this time invite you to take your cup of the fruit of the vine at this time. Settling our homes. Dispersing it. This symbolizes his blood which was shed. Would you take it in hand at this time? This is my blood which was shed for you. Take and drink in remembrance of me. You may take it. And together all God's people said, Amen. Together, God's people all over shouted, hallelujah. hallelujah, glory to the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundations of the earth. And I want you to know that as you sit home, as you've received this cup, I need you to know that God has given you a fresh cleansing, that God has given you a clean slate. That God has given you a brand new start. I want you to know that your sins have been washed away in the sea of forgetfulness. And I want you to know that anybody that tries to dig up that which is old, even if it's being spoken about here on earth, it's not being talked about in heaven. 
we've got the victory. Our salvation is secure because Jesus Christ took bread. So our praise team is going to come and they're going to lead us in a song of victory. And so I don't want you to just sit home and watch. I want you to take hands with your, your loved ones. I want you to sing as those that are claiming by faith the victory that is given to us through the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. We are so grateful for the blood of Jesus, amen. At the cross, at the cross, if you all at home would turn into your hymnals to page 163 as we sing the first tuning in today. I just want to extend my great appreciation to all of my pastoral colleagues all over the land, 
who have supported today's venture. We pray that your congregations have been richly, richly blessed. It is our tradition each and every communion Sabbath to receive a special benevolence offering so that we can pour into our communities. And I think that if ever there was a Sabbath, we need to receive that offering. We need to receive that today. So for those of you right here from First Church, we want you to go to our Adventist Give tab, and we want you to make a liberal offering in our benevolence. If you're a member of Pulaski, Madison Mission, you go to your various websites, give that offering there as well. Or wherever it is that your body of Christ resides, would you give locally your benevolence offering that we will be able to serve, be a blessing to our communities at this time. In addition, we just want to remind you that we're going to continue with our 30 days of prayer where we are praying second chronicles 714 we're praying for the defeat of the coronavirus our first watch first watch service can be found on the zoom link showed on your screen or at our facebook page huntsville first seven day adventist church where we'll give you a word of encouragement and where we'll call on the name of the lord together god bless you thank you so much for joining us today amen amen were you not blessed did your heart not burn within as you heard the word and remembered the amazing sacrifice of our savior when my favorite song says he gets the glory but we get the victory and we get the victory because jesus took the bread amen let us bow our heads as we prepare to leave now unto him who's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise god our master be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. And may the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent one from another. It is our pleasure, and we will take us out with one more song from the praise team. Amen. Amen.